This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. Almost everyone out there is hoping that there's some kind of return to normal by August, September. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Well, it's Monday, June 1st, and guys, safe to say... The world has been different for a long time, and it feels even more different today, uh, having gone through the weekend in all of the cities where we live, deeply affected by the protests, in some cases leading to riots and violence, you know, all stemming from the murder recently in Minneapolis. And I do wonder, it's hard sometimes to just say, hey, let's talk about sports. At the same time, we know that sports are an integral part of our culture. And we also are living at a time, Michael Barr, where athletes rightly uh, feel compelled to weigh in. And we look to them in many ways. And so I thought we could talk about for a few minutes what you guys have heard from some of the biggest names in sports and, and what you make of it in that through that lens, I guess, and uh, and the importance of sports as this cultural touchstone. So, Michael Barr, what do you make of it? Well, you haven't heard Michael Jordan make a lot of comments about social issues, and sometimes he has received some criticism about it, but not this time. Uh, he released a statement, and he said, we must listen to each other, show compassion and empathy, and never turn our backs on senseless brutality. And many uh, other athletes have said something along that line. It's, And I have to bring this up because also I'm a newsman also, so this is what I do for a living. And I have to talk about it every day. And I'm not going to lie, fellas, it's, sometimes it gets very hard uh, to do it. And, and do, But we have a job to do to present this. And it's the same as it crosses over in the sports. I'm sure sports uh, athletes are, are thinking, hey, I, I just don't want to talk about it. I, I th- in fact, I think there was a, a, an announcement from last week where was it was an ice cube that was supposed to go on Good Morning America, and he canceled that, saying, I just didn't feel like saying Good Morning America hmm. after all this went going down. And I'm sure a lot of athletes feel the same way. And yet, Mike Lynch, it feels like more and more athletes are feeling compelled to say something, and, and we do expect them uh, to do so. Uh, you know, over the course of you know, knowing athletes and covering sports for as long as you have, is that a, is that a change? No, I, I think that it's, it goes way, way back. I, I think back to, and Michael Barr, you'll remember this, the Cleveland Summit back in 1967. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the biggest name African-American athletes in the world got together in Cleveland, including the great Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was uh, Lou Alcindor at the time. Now, they got together because Muhammad Ali 
was banned from fighting, and they just wanted to come together with unity. But there was a lot of, they also came together. It was the first time that a group of African Americans visibly was in, were in front of a camera speaking out against social and racial injustice. And I applaud LeBron James. I applaud Michael Jordan. I think, I, I, I think it might have more of an impact if they could just congregate together and with some other prominent people and just say, look, protest peacefully, make your point, but stop the looting, stop burning police cars in, mm -hmm. on, uh, uh, in every single city in this town. Um, locally here in Boston where I am, uh, Ennis Cantor was down on the Boston Common yesterday with tens of thousands of people. He took the microphone and I applaud him. Uh, Jalen Brown of the Celtics drove down to Atlanta to march peacefully. I applaud them as well. I think they have to be out front. Releasing a statement is important, but I think being in front of the camera, we're, we're, we're a visual world now. Uh, mm. uh, it, it, it's, and, and I think that makes more of an impact if they can see you saying those words rather than reading those words. Yeah, it is an interesting moment in that regard, and that's an interesting point, Mike, that it is so visual uh, in many ways, and, and obviously the, the pictures of a peaceful protest versus the picture and the pictures of violence are, are starkly contrasted uh, in many ways. It, it also strikes me as interesting that you are expecting to hear more and more from not just the athletes, but also the owners and the teams. And, and this is a place where, and we've talked about this on, on this program before, it does feel like the NBA, for a whole variety of reasons, is a little bit more out front. Perhaps it is owing to the cultural significance of many of the athletes, whether it's LeBron or, more historically, Michael Jordan. But, you know, it was notable that the... Washington Wizards, you know, came out and made a statement uh, specifically as a team uh, that seems relatively rare historically, uh, but important that, you know, that institutions are, are coming out and, and making a, a statement as well. What is the role in, in your estimation, Michael Barr, of not just the individual athletes, but, but the, the clubs and, and the teams saying something? Well, is it kind of goes back to what Mike Lynch was saying when it's one thing when you have individual statements when you have an entire team coming together to make that statement or even to go in front of the camera that it has a lot of impact if if you had the the Los Angeles Lakers making a statement and like you said the, the Wizards making a statement uh the NHL made a statement they they stand behind all those who are working to achieve a racially just society, and against all those who perpetuate and uphold racism, hatred, bigotry, and violence. And, and something else struck me was was Nick Saban made a comment. Right. He said, we're at an important moment in our country, and now is the time for us to choose kindness, tolerance, understanding, empathy, and most importantly, it is time to love each other. And uh, if, I, if I may add... Uh, I'm an African-American, and I've been on the receiving end of just God-awful racism. And, uh, you know, just out of the blue, I've been called the N-word. I've had my car spat up on twice in my lifetime. And you wonder, it's like, really? This is what I get just because my skin color is different. Now, going back to what Mike Lynch said also, it's like, no, listen, the looting and all the other stuff, that's let's cut that out. We need to 
come together with peace and love and stop all this with the racism and stop the looting and let's get together as a society. So, so Michael, if I can jump in here, uh, but let, let's turn the clock back. Let's say you're some of these looters, let's just say they're in their, their, their 20s or t- late teens, or early 20s. Who would make an impact on you? Uh, would you listen to, would there be anybody that you would listen to? Uh, would, would it be a, prof- you're not going to listen to the President of the United States, so obviously none of us are going to listen, but is, would you listen to a, to a prominent African-American athlete? Would you listen to your mayor, your governor? Who would make an impact on you at that particular age as, an, as a young African-American, uh, sort of looking for a compass, looking for some direction, and uh, to, 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 to just stop all this looting nonsense and, pe- and protest peacefully? Well, it's and that's a good point, isn't it? I guess I look back in my twenties. I, I think of the Detroit Pistons back when you know in the Bad Boy era, and uh, mm-hmm. let's say a little before that, uh, the Detroit Tigers. Let's say, for instance, the uh, here come the '68 Tigers, and they which is ironic because in '67 in Detroit we had the riots, right? And in '68, mm-hmm. the Tigers won the World Series, and you talk about some cohesiveness in the city i remember that and and i guess so i guess i'd start with the detroit tigers uh you know a team like that everybody coming together just to say hey uh where's the peace and love and i think lebron james said it the best is that why doesn't america love us you know and this and and i i i guess i just say as a collection of voices like you said, that Cleveland summit, we need to see something like that. Well, here's hoping. And um, again, we're having this conversation on Monday after a very, very difficult weekend. We don't know what the next few days are going to bring. And obviously this is happening against the, the backdrop of this global pandemic. And it is this moment of agony in, in all sorts of ways and a moment where we are looking more and more to sports guys to give us some sense of grounding in many ways. And, and obviously, when it comes to the, the civil unrest and everything that we're seeing, you know, we've talked about the voices that, that need to be heard. But we're also at this moment where we want them to come back to give us some sense of normalcy. And so let's talk a little bit about baseball, if we can, and where we may go next here. This has been a pretty big economic divide in in many ways between the players and the owners. And we had a proposal yesterday from the players, which is very different from anything that the owners have put forth. Mike Lynch, are you more optimistic, less optimistic now having seen the players salvo in, in all of this that we may see baseball. I'm less optimistic right now because Me I too. think more and more owners are uh, going to say, you know what? I see them throwing their arms up in the air. The Oakland days, the Kansas city Royals, the have nots. Now let's just bag the whole season. You know, this is ridiculous. You know, Scott Boris is telling all the players, don't take any pay cuts. Don't bail out the owners, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and as we said on, on a previous show, if the golf is coming up, NASCAR's uh, uh, up and running, um, hockey and, and, and basketball may be going before baseball gets going, and there's going to be like, who cares by the time they finally get this thing all worked out and, and, and playing. This is, this is they're, they're tone deaf, the players are right now, and at, at a time when they really need to be paying attention to what the heck is going on in this country. 
Well, and Michael Barr, I think that's such an interesting point too, because there there is this idea in the other sports. I think the NBA being a really good example of that. That everybody was behind this notion of okay, we're getting back to business. Like we're, we're going to figure it out, but we all have that end goal in mind. And as Mike Lynch very rightly points out. The, the worm has turned a little bit on the ownership side where people just say you have specific owners effectively saying, look, I'm going to lose a ton of money doing this. Let's just pick up next year. It's not worth the brain damage and it's not worth, more importantly, the economic damage to myself and my club. I'm just going to look past this. Does that worry you? My father had an old saying, don't cut your nose off to spite your face. Yep. And that's what that I believe the players are doing right now. Yes, it's not an ideal situation salary-wise, but, you know, don't just, you know, scrap everything because all the other sports, like you said, you know, auto racing is kicking in with NASCAR. Uh, We're about to see basketball get back into play. We're about to see the NHL get back into play. And this could turn out to where, where we had the strike in the early 90s and we lost the, the season, the World Series, where there's an interest lost in the sport and baseball in general. Fortunately, they got it back. I'm not so sure they're going to get it back this time if the whole season is scrapped. I think that's true. I mean, I just, I, and, and I've said this on this program before, I think about my teenage kids who, you know, two sons, very athletic, they really don't care about baseball. You know, I grew up an avid Braves fan going to so many uh, games, you know, during the Ted Turner era, era, ostrich races and all. A terrible team in the 80s and a much better team uh, in the 90s, as we all know. Couldn't quite get there as many times as everyone wanted, but it is a game that has certainly ebbed in the in the popular consciousness and I do worry about the national attention span now, especially with everything that's going on. And it feels like both sides, and especially to your point, the players are just, it's almost like they're they are begging people to pay less attention. And, and ultimately, we're talking about the business of sports here on this podcast, the economic damage, the economic long-term damage is going to be difficult to, to quantify, I think, Mike. Without question, uh, you, as you're talking about your sons, and I'm sure that they can tell you that in the spring, lacrosse, uh, yep. the, the number of people that go off for lacrosse teams is killing baseball teams. You see it all around the country. It's become, uh, baseball is, is slipping away as, as one of the top four major sports, and it's no longer America's game. Football right now is, is America's game. And just the mere fact that these guys are whining, I mean, people, how, how many millions of people are out of work, don't have anything to eat, and this guy's, uh, Blake Snell, the Cy Young Award winner, said, I'm not going to play for paltry $3 million this year. I want my $7 million. I mean, that just does not sit well with anybody. That angers people, and people aren't going to forget any of that. And, you know, you think people are going to boo the Houston Astros every time they get up to play if there was a baseball season this year. They may boo every single Major League Baseball player if they ever allow fans back into the stadium. Yeah. All right. Well, let's end on a happier note, which Yay. is the you know the, the world that we're living in now. Everybody kind of doing their best. The Orlando Magic plowing ahead with their summer basketball camps. I have to say, as a kid, I loved going to sports camps. It was one of the, you know, things that I really looked forward to. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to grow up in Houston, and I may have said this to you guys before, and one of my most vivid memories is 
that this was a very different time in the NBA, but the Houston Rockets used to, when the Summit, remember the Summit where the, the yep. Rockets used to play? Mm-hmm. When the Summit was occupied by ice capades or whatever it was going to be, they would work out at like our little St. Thomas High School gym because it, it was close by, and I remember physically running into Hakeem Olajuwon at some point. We were so enamored with big basketball players, literally big uh, basketball players, and that's one of the ways that basketball teams and, and other uh, professional sports really connect with their communities. And Orlando has figured out a novel way in the age of social distancing and Zoom meetings and all that to actually put on a virtual basketball camp, Michael Barr. I think this is an excellent idea. And it, first of all, you brought up the ice capades. And I always think of the uh, the plug is like, and Dorothy Hamill will also join. <laughs> Slide her on out there, guys. Yeah. I think this is a great idea, and and I, it, the camps uh, usually they're for ages uh, as young as six and, and as old as seventeen, and uh, and for some reason the age around that time for kids it's it's like it's in them to go technical. They they can figure out stuff anything. So going virtual won't mean anything. My fifteen year old has to tell me stuff on the computer. It's like, Dad, do this. And that's yep. it. And he's done. So I think this is going to be a huge success. I agree with you 100%, Mike. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, I looked up the fee here, and I said, oh, okay, this is going to be the only bad part. $50. Yeah. And it's for yeah. a whole week, and it's 9 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon. Um, it's, it keeps kids busy, number one. It gives them hope. And it also shows them that someone cares about them. Right. Uh, especially some adults in a professional team cares about what's going on with them. And they... You know, this is all about inclusion right now. Everyone wants to be included. Nobody wants to be excluded. And I think this is absolutely spectacular. And you're right about the uh, the virtual thing. I have a four-year-old granddaughter who knows, who knows how to pick up my daughter's phone, her mother, and actually FaceTime me during the day, So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I have trouble doing. So these kids aren't going to have a problem at all doing virtual basketball. And they'll be dribbling between their legs and they'll be doing uh, all these moves. And it, yeah, I think it's wonderful. Good for the Orlando Magic. Double yeah. thumbs up. Yep. It's great. It's great for them to do. And, and I learned about a new app, which is called Bology, B-A-L-L-O-G-Y. Uh, and so that apparently is helpful in private group training sessions. So they're utilizing that as well. So uh, here's hoping that maybe uh, the next generation will, won't totally get rusty, even if uh, professional sports aren't around. Well, uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for a really interesting conversation. These are not easy days by any stretch of the imagination and uh it's nice to share some thoughtful conversation with both of you well this is the bloomberg business of sports podcast i'm jason kelly you can find me on twitter at jason kelly news and i'm mike lynch you can find me at lynchy w at wcbb and you can follow me at big bar sports we are here each and every monday wednesday and thursday exploring the world of money and sports You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world, online, wherever you get your podcasts. Stay safe, everyone.